Well, we're glad you guys are here. Well, let's open the Word of the Lord together today. Uh, we're going to begin in Luke chapter 24. Last Sunday, we began a new series together entitled Empty. And we began to talk about the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how the resurrection of Jesus Christ impacts our lives in a way beyond anything, hopefully, I think, that maybe we've really imagined. And my prayer is that we're going to unlock some understanding through this series that's going to dive us a little bit deeper into what it means to live on this side of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and have resurrection power living and abiding on the inside of us. So look in Luke 24. It's the resurrection story. And the Bible says this, it says, Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to stop there for just a second. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind you of something this morning. I want to remind you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just about spiritual life. It's actually about resurrection life. It's about the fact that one day, like Jesus, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, the Bible says, and we who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord are going to be called up to meet Him in the air. And one day, we're not just going to have spiritual life. One day, we're going to be resurrected with a glorified physical body that can and will never die. I mean, you can eat, you can sleep, you can taste, you can touch, you can smell, and you'll be able to experience life in a glorified body without the stain and the stench of sin. And I was thinking when you read through the resurrection story, after the resurrection, there's several accounts where Jesus kind of appears. The disciples are hiding behind locked doors. Y'all kind of remember that story? And Jesus kind of magically, boom, pops in the room. And they see him, and then boom, he pops away again. And I thought, man, how awesome that's going to be to be able to travel via resurrection power. I mean, come on, beam me up, Scotty. Star Trek's got nothing on Jesus. And what an awesome opportunity we're going to have one day to experience resurrection power in our physical bodies. Now look at verse 4. It says, And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth, and they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Look at verse 9. And they refer, returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. As I was studying this week, that last little phrase, they returned from the tomb and they told the eleven and all the rest that Jesus was alive. And I begin to think about the impact of the resurrection. How many of you know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your life, when you experience it and believe in Christ, it is the most impacting, life-changing thing that ever happens? When you get born again and you get raised to life through the power of the resurrection, there is something about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that causes us to want to go and tell somebody what Jesus did for us. You guys have heard me tell many times I was 15 years old when I got saved on a Sunday night in a little Baptist church. And I remember going home that night and telling my sister before I went to bed, I can't wait till I go to school tomorrow because I want to tell all my friends 
what Jesus did for me. Now, I wish I would have become this on-fire Christian that was preaching and proclaiming the gospel. That really wasn't me in high school. But I do remember going to school the next day, and the power of that new life in Christ compelled me. I had to tell somebody what Jesus had done in my life. And I began to think about that. I began to think about how many Christians don't go and tell. And I begin to think about how that we have seemingly a Christian culture where Christians are intimidated by the idea of sharing their faith and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. And I just begin to think, Lord, what if the reason that we have a lack of courage and boldness in sharing our faith is because we don't fully understand the power of the resurrection and what Jesus has really done for those who believe in him? And so my prayer today is that God is going to inspire a new revelation of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in our hearts and our lives that's going to spur us on so that we can go and tell the world what Jesus has done. Amen? So let's revisit just a couple thoughts. Our foundational thought for this entire series is simply summed up like this. Jesus is alive. He has risen from the dead. And because the tomb is empty, our lives don't have to be. Can I get an amen from somebody today? So we said last Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ fills us with a living hope. We have hope in life and we have hope in death because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Because the tomb is empty, we have a living hope. We read 1 Peter last Sunday where the Apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that when you got born again, you were actually born again to a living hope through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And we talked about last week how that a living hope is not just based on what God has done, and it's not just based on what God is going to do, because we have, we have hope in the resurrection of Jesus, we have hope in the resurrection of our own lives, but we also have a living hope, because the Bible says if you've been born again, then the God of hope lives in you. Right, You have a life-giving, living hope because the God of hope by the Holy Spirit dwells and lives inside the hearts of those who have believed in and accepted Jesus as their resurrected Lord and Savior. And I'm so thankful to be a part of that living hope. How about you today? Amen? So let's talk a little bit about where we're going today. Let's talk about how that the resurrection of Jesus Christ not only fills us with a living hope, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ also fills us with a life-giving faith. And because the tomb is empty, our faith is alive. The resurrection of Jesus Christ fills us with a life-giving faith. And because the tomb is empty, our faith is alive. I'm sure you know this, but let me just remind you this morning that the foundation stone of our Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that everything that we believe as Christians is 100% contingent upon the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your faith is vain. Your faith is empty. And we're going to read what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, how that everything that we have in Christ apart from the resurrection is futile and empty and powerless to change us or save us. 
When you think about the miraculous story of Jesus Christ, you think about the virgin birth, which was a miracle, right? And the Virgin Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit and was with child, and she had the Son of God. And you think about the fact that Jesus, think about this, lived a sinless life. He never sinned. He never lied. He never manipulated. He never crossed the line. He never violated the will of the Father over his life. So Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and then he died a sacrificial death on the cross for your sin and my sin. But let me just say this to you today. Just a little reminder this morning. All of that is nothing without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The virgin birth, the sinless life, the sacrificial death, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ are amazing events that would set Jesus apart as a spectacular individual. <laughs> but it is only the resurrection of Christ from the dead that sets him apart as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And when you begin to understand that the resurrection of Christ is the foundation stone and it is the one thing upon which everything in our Christian faith hinges and hangs upon, you begin to understand how important that our faith be rooted in that resurrection. Listen to what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. The King James uses the word vain. Our preaching is empty. It is vain. It is powerless. And not only is our preaching empty, but your faith is also empty. If Jesus hasn't raised from the dead, then I'm wasting my time preaching and you're wasting your time listening. Because without the resurrection of the dead, our preaching is empty and vain and powerless. And our faith is empty and vain and powerless. Look what else he says, verse 15. He says, and if Christ doesn't raise from the dead, then we are found as false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised Christ up, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. And if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, here it is again, your faith is futile. It is empty. It is void. It is powerless. And here's a sobering thought. And you are still in your sins. Everything is contingent upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything we believe, everything we do, and everything we stand for is null and void without the resurrection. It is the foundational stone upon which everything we believe is built. Paul goes on to say, verse 18, he says, Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiful. pitiful. But if Christ, but now, look what he says in verse 20, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul again says this. He says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. Look at verse 2. God promised this good news long ago through, the, through his prophets and the Holy Scripture. And this good news is about his son, Jesus. 
In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, line, and he was shown, look at verse 4, he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to what he said there in verse 4. Christ is shown to be the Son of God. Why? Because he was raised from the dead. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that declares Jesus is not just a good man, not just of the lineage of David. He doesn't just have a natural pedigree. He has a spiritual pedigree that connects him to God the Father, the only begotten Son. And Paul said it is the resurrection of Christ from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit that shows him, that declares that he alone is the Son of God. He is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, and he is our Lord. Then look at verse 5. He says that through Christ God has given us the privilege and the authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. Think about what he says, verse 5. He says, through Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has given us the privilege. Let me tell you something. It is a privilege today to be a Christian. It is a privilege to be a follower of Christ. It is a privilege to be able to tell somebody what Jesus Christ has done for them. It's a privilege to name the name of Jesus. And not only does our privilege in Christ come through the resurrection, but our authority in Christ comes through the resurrection. We have a privilege, but we also have the authority to stand up and speak up and boldly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And all of that, our divine privilege and our divine authority is 100% rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our King. So look at that next point. So if Jesus conquered death and rose from the grave, if he really did do what the Bible says he did, if he really did do what history accounts that he has done, if he really did conquer death and rose from the grave, then think about this, then nothing is impossible with God. And nothing is impossible to those who believe in him. If Jesus really did conquer death in the grave, if he really did rise from the dead, then nothing's impossible with God. And nothing's impossible to those who believe in him. Luke 1 37 says, For with God nothing will be impossible. Matthew 19 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then in Matthew 17 verse 20, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus rebukes the disciples. Why could we not cast out the demon? Why could we not heal the son that was being tormented? Look what Jesus said. He said, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you that if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for who? And nothing will be impossible for you. Let's be honest. We can get really excited about saying nothing's impossible with God. But we have a spiritual hiccup <laughs> when it comes to saying nothing's impossible to me and you. But that's what the Bible says. If Jesus really rose from the grave, if he really is the resurrected son of God, then nothing is impossible to God. 
And nothing is impossible to those who believe in him. Through faith. Not faith in faith. Not faith in self. Not faith in knowledge. Through faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he is who he says he is and he did what he said he would do. It is through faith in the resurrected Savior that we can say to any mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea. I was thinking about uh, all the Hollywood heroes out there. We got any Avenger fans in the house today? Come on, don't be ashamed. There you go. All over the place. Hey, I'm right there with you. I'm a good Avengers fan. I love it. So I love all the action and all the stuff and all the cool things. And, but I was thinking, I was thinking about all the Avengers. I was thinking about all these Hollywood heroes. And by the way, just in case you don't know, they're not real. Sorry to bust your bubble. But I was thinking about the coolness and the movies and all the, all the things and, and all the ideas and images and, that go along with all these people. And I was thinking about Thor. You know, Thor's a demigod and, and he's like this pretty unstoppable guy that you can't even kill. But I thought, you know what? Jesus is not a demigod. He is God. And he is not just powerful. He is the source of all power. And Jesus, listen to this, this is huge. Jesus did not just conquer death, hell, and the grave. But Jesus gave that same power to whoever believed in him. Amen. So that would be kind of like Thor or Superman or Spider-Man saying, if you believe in me, then guess what? You can do what I do. Amen. How many know they don't do that? <laughs> there's one Thor, there's one Spider-Man, there's one Superman. Unless you're in a multiverse with Spider-Man in the new movie, right? All, who knows how many there are out there? And as I was thinking about the fact that not only is Jesus all-powerful, not only is he the Son of God, and not only did he conquer death in the grave, but he actually gave that same power to whosoever would believe in him. He said, I am the resurrection life, and whoever believes in me, though he dies, he will live, and whoever believes in me and lives will never die. See, we just get to go from life to life because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And I thought every Avenger has to bow their knee to King Jesus. Amen? Because he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the ultimate hero. So let's talk about this a little bit today. So look at that next point. So a life-giving faith rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a faith that endures the hardships of life. I want to talk about this because I really feel like the Holy Spirit quickened my heart. And he said, Keith, he said, there's an element of faith that we sometimes don't want to talk about. We're going to talk about in just a minute how that through faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, faith empowers us to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I love talking about the overcoming power of God. But I want to just tell you today, it is a faith that is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that empowers us to endure, to endure the hardships of life. And nobody in this room has to be convinced that life's hard. <laughs> If you're under five years old, maybe. <laughs> but everybody else in this room knows life's hard. It's full of cancer and heart disease and, and strokes. and It's full of early deaths and untimely deaths and tragic deaths. It's full of divorce and addiction. It's full of rape and murder. 
is full of all the things that break the heart of God and destroy the lives of people. And nobody in here today ever sits around and wonders, well, is life really hard? No, it's hard. <laughs> but I want you to understand, I want you to understand that a, that a life-giving faith that is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it empowers us to endure those hardships. Because aren't you glad Jesus didn't quit? Come on, somebody. Aren't you glad that when he got in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was sweating great drops of blood and he said, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Aren't you glad he went on to the cross? Aren't you glad when they were stripping him naked and hanging him before all humanity in shame that he didn't say, Lord, let's end it now. Aren't you glad he went all the way to the grave and came out on the other side three days later as the conquering King of kings and Lord of lords, the resurrected Savior? And when you have a life-giving faith that is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is a faith that endures the hardships of life. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, we know this scripture. Hebrews 11, the hall of fame of faith. But Hebrews 12 wraps it up and says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run, there's the word, with what? Endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, the beginner and the ending of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, there it is again, endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When you read the Bible, you'll recognize something. Jesus never promises an easy life to those who follow him. But he does promise a victorious life to those who believe in his son, Jesus Christ. I love what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. Jesus said, and you will be hated by me for my name's sake. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. See, there is a faith that endures. And when your faith is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's a faith that endures. If your faith is rooted in the circumstantial evidence of your life, if it's rooted in your comfort and in your convenience, if it's rooted in the fact that you're going to believe in God and trust God and follow God as long as everything goes your way, <laughs> you won't endure. And unfortunately, let's just be honest, we've all seen people who a year ago were sitting in these seats that aren't sitting here no more. And it has nothing to do with COVID. It has everything to do that the hardships of life came and they had a faith that was rooted Maybe not in the resurrection of Christ, but maybe in an idea that if I serve God, everything will go my way. And the moment things didn't go their way, they began to pull back and pull away from the God that they said they believed in, and the God they said they loved, and the God they said they would serve. Because all of a sudden, life got hard, and life got difficult, and I never knew I was going to get this diagnosis, and I never knew I was going to face this. And Lord, I never even imagined life could be this hard. But when your faith is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's an enduring strength that comes. There's a strength that says this world is not my home and this is not all there is. And when your faith is rooted in the resurrection, guess what? There's always light at the end of the tunnel. Even if the tunnel is a grave. <laughs> There's always light at the end of the tunnel when your faith is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at our next point. A life-giving faith rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a faith that overcomes the opposition of the world, the flesh, and the devil. I want you to look with me at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. 
The Bible says this, stay alert, watch out, for your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of sufferings that you are. A life-giving faith rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a faith that overcomes the opposition of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And there's something I think we forget. As I was praying this morning, the Holy Spirit quickened in my heart. He said, Keith, do you realize that the images and the videos and the pictures that we're seeing right now of what is happening in Ukraine, the devastation of war, the casualties, the death, the, the refugees, the heartache, the hunger, the pain. He said, Keith, do you realize that those images that you're watching on TV and through your news feed on your phone, he said, what you're seeing in the flesh, hear me today. He said, what you're seeing in the flesh happening in Ukraine is a picture of what is happening in the spirit all around the world. Because we are at war. <laughs> The people in Ukraine know they're living in a war zone. Most American Christians don't. And if you don't know you're at war, then you get blindsided by the attacks. When you don't know you're at war, then when something tragic happens and the enemy comes against you, and by the way, he does, and you don't have to be told that because you already know it. There are the hardships of life, and then there are the demonic attacks of the enemy that come against your life to pervert and corrupt the vision and purpose of God for your life. And if your faith is not rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you'll be blindsided and taken out by the enemy. Your victory over the enemy, your victory over the enemy, and hear me today, is not how many scriptures you can quote and how eloquent you can pray. Or how many times you've been to church in the last six months. Your victory over the enemy is your faith in the resurrection power of God. To give you victory over every foe and every power and every force of the devil that would dare to raise its ugly head against you. And the apostle Peter says, know that you're at war. There's a real devil who walks around like a roaring lion. But stand fast against him and stand firm in the faith we don't have to cower we don't have to hide we don't have to back away we can charge the gates of hell because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world a life-giving faith rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ overcomes the world, the flesh, and the devil. 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Who is he who overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How do we know he's the Son of God? Because he was raised from the dead. It's your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives you victory over this world. Let's just be honest. We have an entire American culture that has bowed its knee to the world system of perversion, sexual immorality, abuse, violence, and chaos. And the Bible says of Satan that he is the prince of the power of the air. He is the God of this world. And all the world system lies under the sway of the evil one. 
And your victory over the culture of compromise is your faith in the resurrection of Jesus. It's your faith in a God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine. It's your faith in a God who conquers death, hell, and the grave. And when you are confronted with compromise, you can stand. I was thinking about when you read the Bible, the Bible is filled with men and women of God who stood in the face of cultural compromise, who stood in the face of immorality and pagan worship, who stood in the face of a culture that was breathing threats and accusations against them. And I see so many Christians that are so afraid they're going to offend somebody that they don't say anything. That even closely resembles the truth. Now, I believe we need to be wise, and I'll be honest with you, there are some Christians on social media that I wish they'd just shut their mouths. <laughs> but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if we roll over and play dead, then guess what? The world rocks on. <laughs> and more and more people are deceived. And more and more people are swept away in the chaos. And more and more people are consumed by the darkness. Paul said, speak the truth in love. We don't judge and we don't accuse. We love people enough to share the love and the light and the truth of Jesus that sets the captives free. It is your faith in the resurrection that gives you your victory over this world. Galatians 2.20, Paul says something else here. Galatians 2.20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let, me. let me encourage you in something today. Your victory over your flesh. How many know you still got flesh? We're not all as holy as we look. I've been talking to your spouse. <laughs> and if you talk to mine, you'll find out that's true about me too. Let me tell you your victory. Your victory over your flesh and my flesh. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, but yet I live. But the life that I now live in the flesh, I don't live by my own power, but I now live by faith. In Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Your victory over the lust of the flesh is your faith in the resurrection power of God to give you victory. If you don't have faith that Jesus is able to raise the dead, guess what? Then you won't have faith that Jesus is able to crucify your flesh. But give me, let me give you some good news today. If Jesus can raise dead flesh, then surely he can crucify living flesh. If he can raise dead flesh three days in the grave, Lazarus four days in the grave, whose body was already rottening and stinking, if he can raise dead flesh to life, surely he can empower you to crucify the lust of your flesh and say no to the things that want to destroy you. See, your victory over your flesh is your faith in the resurrection. It's not your self-control. It is your faith in the God who has all control and can empower you through faith to say no to my flesh so I can say yes to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Look at that next point. 
A life-giving faith rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a faith that receives everything that we need for life and godliness. Everything that you need for life and godliness. Not everything, quote, that you want, but everything that you need for life and godliness is given to you through your faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look with me in John 16. I want to show you something I had never seen before. Jesus is speaking, John 16, 16. He's speaking to the disciples. He's getting ready to be betrayed. He's getting ready to be crucified. He says, a little while and you will not see me. I'm going to be buried for three days. And again, a little while and you will see me because I'm going to rise from the dead. But I'm not going to stay here for very long. And then look what he says. In a little while you will see me because I go to the Father. Look at verse 23. And in that day, when I go to the Father, Jesus said, in that day, when I rise from the dead and ascend to the right hand of God the Father, in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Jesus said, you can ask the Father anything in my name, and he'll give it to you. Because I go to the Father. <laughs> See, it is our faith in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that he conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he ascended to the right hand of God the Father where he forever now lives to intercede for me and you. It is our faith in his resurrection that gives us confidence in prayer. As a matter of fact, the power of your prayer is 100% rooted in your faith in the resurrection of Jesus. Now let me tell you how the devil deceives us. We put faith in faith. Have you ever heard somebody say something along the lines of, well, if I just had more faith? Well, Jesus said you actually don't need more faith. He said if you have a mustard seed of faith, you can say to that mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, and it'll be done, and you can have whatever you say, and nothing will be impossible for you. See, the problem is not that we don't have faith. The problem is that we have misplaced our faith. We put our faith in our faith. We put our faith in ourselves. We put our faith in our performance. See, here, here's, a, here's a challenge for Christians. We pray and we believe that God will answer us based on our performance. And let me show you how that prayer works. Lord, please deliver me because I'm trying really hard. God, I'm trying so hard. Please deliver me. God, I'm trying so hard. Please put the pieces back together. God, I'm trying so hard. Please heal my family. God, I'm trying so hard. Please heal my body. God, I'm trying so hard. Please deliver my children. God, I'm doing everything I know to do. God, I'm giving it all I got. My best effort, God. Please deliver me because I'm trying so hard. And when you pray that prayer, your faith is in your works, your efforts, and you're trying. And your faith is not in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden we recognize something. That when my faith is firmly rooted in the resurrection power of God. Then and only then do I have a faith that can receive everything that God has for me. Why? Because I'm not praying based on my performance. Let's just be honest in here today, guys. If you and I got what we deserve, none of us would like it. You wouldn't like what you got if you really got what you deserved. 
The power of our prayer is that it is rooted by faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I ask the Father to do what Jesus said I could do because he has risen and he intercedes for me. And my hope and my faith is in him, not in me. Amen? Last point, here we go. A life-giving faith rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a faith that does what Jesus did. Not only through faith in Christ's resurrection can we endure, not only through faith in Christ can we overcome, and not only through faith in Christ can we receive, but through faith in Christ we can actually do what Jesus did. John 14, verse 12, look what Jesus said. Most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do... He will do also, and greater works than these will he do. Look at that last phrase. Why? Because I go to the Father. Jesus said the key to you doing what he did is his resurrection. The key to you living like he lived is his resurrection. The key to you walking like he walked is his resurrection. It is your faith in the fact that he has raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of God, God interceding for us that gives us the confidence to do what Jesus did because Jesus rose from the dead. Think about it. Your faith in the resurrection of Christ empowers you to live like Jesus lived, to love like Jesus loved, and to do what Jesus did. You can lay hands on the sick and they can recover. You can cast out demons and people can be set free. You can proclaim the good news of the gospel and people can be saved. And you can make disciples of all nations and turn the world upside down for the glory of God if you believe that Jesus is raised from the dead. And again, the problem in why more Christians aren't doing what Jesus did is because we've put our faith in our faith, in our works, or even hear this, in our knowledge about God. Well, well Pastor Keith, I hear this all the time. I just don't feel like I know enough. Let's be honest. We already know more than we're doing anyway. If you just start doing what you do know, <laughs> what you don't know would probably take care of itself. But here's the problem with that. I can't do what Jesus did. I can't pray for sick people. I can't lay hands on sick and see sick people healed. I can't give a prophetic word. I can't share my faith. I can't make disciples. I can't lead a ministry. I can't help other people come to Christ because I just don't know enough, Pastor Keith. Well, that means your faith in doing what Jesus did is rooted in your knowledge, not in his resurrection. If the same, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then why can't you do what he did? I'm not saying we don't need knowledge. We need a lot of it. But I am saying most of us aren't doing what we already know. So don't allow your lack of knowledge to rob you of living in a place of faith that says I can do what Jesus did because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. So I want us just to bow our heads today. If you're here today and you're a Christian, I want to challenge you with this thought. If you're watching me online and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I know without a shadow of a doubt, 
I'm a child of God. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. But I want to challenge you today as a Christian. In the room and online. Is there any area of your life that you need to refocus your faith? Has there been a shift where there's been faith in faith or faith in self or faith in your knowledge of God instead of faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? I can do what he did because he's went to the Father. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in me. I want to just challenge you right now. Let's just refocus our faith. Let's just reestablish our faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and recognize that it's our faith in His resurrection that gives way to everything else that God wants to do in our lives. The last thing I want to do today with every head bowed, every eye closed is maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online and you realize, Pastor Keith, I don't have faith in Jesus. I've never been saved. Jesus called it being born again. I've never trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never acknowledged my sin and by faith trusted Jesus as my resurrected Savior. And today I want to do that. Today I want to do what Jesus told Nicodemus to do. I want to be born again. I want to be born from above. I want the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to come live on the inside of me. And I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. The simplest definition of lordship I can find is simply this. Lordship is ownership. The Bible says once you come to Christ that you've been bought with a price and you're no longer your own. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I want to give him ownership. And I want him to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. If that's you right now, I want you just to slip your hand up. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. This is between you and the Lord, but it's a simple act of faith. If you're watching online, just hit that hand emoji, type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. We want to pray with you. If you've never been saved, you've never been born again, if you were to die right now, you don't know where you'd spend eternity. Jesus is your only hope. He is alive. And he conquered death, hell, and the grave so you could have life and you could live forever. If that's you right now, just slip your hand up. We're about to close in prayer. Let's just pray this together, all of us here and all of you watching online. Let's say it out loud together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and Savior. I receive Jesus as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. If you prayed that prayer in person or online, welcome to the family. We want to help you. We want to walk with you, take those next steps. God bless you today. We love you.